When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 410 of Sustainable Minimalists. If you are a veteran listener, you already know what this show is about. But if you are just tuning in, welcome. So happy to have you. This is a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living, and on today's show, we're discussing the concept of comfort creep. Now, I have a theory, and it is this. Are you ready? Hold on to your hats. My theory is we have spoiled ourselves to our own detriment and perhaps to our own demise, but we'll get there later. So that's my theory, and today's episode is me laying out my evidence and trying to essentially convince you that I am right. We have a three-part show. First, we're going to discuss the concept of comfort creep, which was popularized by author Michael Easter in his book, The Comfort Crisis. And then we're going to apply comfort creep to the climate crisis. And then we're going to wrap it up, tie it all together in a beautiful bow with some action steps. So that's what we're doing today. We've got a lot to do today. So we're going to jump right in by discussing human evolution. We always start in the same place, don't we? We have these brains. They are wired to do certain things, prioritize certain things. Well, humans, we have evolved to prioritize comfort. Comfort in the forms of shelter and warmth with minimal effort. We want to spread our DNA and live on through the ages, and we don't want to work so hard as we spread our DNA. Like so many of our issues in 2023, our environment and our situation has changed, but our brain's wiring has not. And so fast forward from our caveman days to 2023, these days we are living progressively sterile lives, aren't we? We very rarely leave our comfort zones. We have engineered out discomfort. And if you don't believe me, stay with me. Let's talk about physical discomforts that we have engineered out. Most of us listening right now, maybe not all, but most of us, we've never felt that deep hunger that our ancestors often felt. We maybe never feel hunger because we are largely overfed these days. How about manual labor? Not all of us, but many of us, we work at computers. We don't work with our bodies. We have cars to take us places so we don't have to use our legs. We have heated and air-conditioned homes so we don't have to feel the physical discomfort that's associated with being too cold or too hot. And when we exercise, and I'm speaking to myself here, when we exercise, we're doing so in temperature-controlled, perfectly engineered spaces on machines. Heck, 
I don't run outside unless the conditions are in tip-top shape, unless they're perfect. If there's a bit of rain, if there's some snow, if it's too cold or too hot, I am inside on my treadmill. (laughs) So that's the physical discomforts we've engineered out. How about emotional discomforts? Anytime we feel a certain way, we can numb out, can't we? We've got drugs, we've got alcohol, we've got pills, we've got cell phones to distract us from emotional pain. And how about mental discomfort? Again, the cell phones, rarely do we feel boredom or other forms of mental discomfort because we have a boredom buster in our pocket. We also have the internet that gives us the answer to any problem, any issue we're facing in fractions of a second. And so mental challenges, they are perhaps a thing of the past. Now, in his book, The Comfort Crisis, Michael Easter, who, by the way, I did invite to be on the show, but he declined, Michael Easter says that constant comfort is a radically new thing. Our modern conveniences, the cars, the ultra-processed food, the electricity, all of that and more came out in the last 100-ish years or less. That's 0.003% of our time on Earth as Homo sapiens. And by the way, we're not here yet. We're not to my thesis statement yet today. However, let's all remind ourselves that the climate crisis also coincides with the rise of our modern conveniences, doesn't it? The last hundred or so years, our level of convenience ramps up and so simultaneously does the warming of our planet. We're going to get there. We're not there yet. Okay, and so I'm sure I have some of you listening right now and you're saying to yourself, what's so wrong with being comfortable? Heck, Isn't it a good thing that we've engineered out discomfort? Research does indeed find that people are at their best when they're exposed to some challenges. Anyone who has ever felt the modern malaise that Jill Winger and I talked about in our interview together, I'll link to it in the show notes, but if you felt modern malaise, you already know that engineering out all discomfort is not good for us in the long run. This is to say nothing about the increasing prevalence of mental health issues worldwide. A brief look into mental health statistics does suggest that anxiety is more prevalent now than it's ever been. You can find studies all over the internet that report an increase in anxiety and depression-related disorders over the last century. And by the way, if you're wondering, the three most common diagnoses here in America anxiety disorders, depression, and PTSD. These make up about 30% of all diagnoses of mental illnesses in America these days. And so in his book, my boy Michael, he does introduce us to the concept of comfort creep. So we know what lifestyle creep is. We've discussed that on the show in which you spend more and more money to maintain your quality of life. And it often happens subconsciously. You don't even know you're doing it. Same with comfort. There is such a thing as comfort creep. When we introduce a new comfort into our life, we adapt to it quite quickly and it no longer feels like a luxury or a comfort anymore. It's just what we have and how we live. And worse than this is it all happens subconsciously. We adapt to these comforts without even ever realizing it. I want to say here too that as I personally in my own life meditate on 
comfort and the concept of comfort creep, it's important to remember that we can think about comfort creep from both a literal lens and a figurative one. So the literal one, of course, we just mentioned, we want to be warm, but not too warm. We don't want to feel those tough emotions, so we numb them, right? That's the literal lens. But we can also discuss comfort creep from a figurative lens as well. We want stability. We want predictability. We want that paycheck that comes every two weeks. We want that perhaps suburban home in which we can drive right into our garage. But what opportunities are we missing out on when we have unwavering reverence for comfort? What are we not doing, not experiencing when we prioritize comfort at all costs? And so the best way for me to explain what I'm trying to express here is through metaphor. We all love a good metaphor, don't we? (laughs) So picture this. You live in a cave. And to be fair, your cave is quite comfortable. You've got a lazy boy recliner in there. You've got a nice fancy rug. You have ample food in the corner. You've got a fire. You're warm. You're comfy. All is good. All your basic needs are taken care of thanks to your cave. However... It's just a cave, right? And whenever you peer out the little crack between the boulder, which is your door, and the wall, you can see an awful lot of stuff. Maybe you see sunlight, blinding light, snow. Perhaps you see another human or two, and they're intriguing. Maybe you see something that scares you even. But the point here is that there's an awful lot going on outside the four walls of your cave And you're aware that stuff's going on out there. You're aware there's opportunity for unbelievable risk and perhaps unimaginable reward. But whenever you step a foot or perhaps even just a toe outside of your comfortable cave, you run back inside and you roll the boulder back over the doorway. This is comfort creep from a figurative lens, right? Yes, our cave is stable and predictable, but when we're staying with what's stable and predictable, we're also limiting our opportunities for growth. I read an interesting quote recently that really applies. It's from someone named C. Joy Bell. They say that, quote, the only way we can live is if we grow. The only way that we can grow is if we change. The only way that we can change is if we learn. The only way we can learn is if we're exposed. And the only way we can become exposed is if we throw ourselves out into the open, end quote. And so it goes without saying that throwing yourself out into the open, moving the boulder to your cave and boldly going outside where you've never been before, that's the opposite of building a life around comfort, right? But the only way you can live is if you grow, and you can only grow by throwing yourself out into the open. And so again, I'll say it again, our cave is stable and predictable, but when we're staying with what's stable, we're limiting opportunities for growth. Perhaps outside of that cave, there's a career change. Perhaps there's a romantic relationship that you have been a little bit scared about. Perhaps there's an epic physical challenge that you've always thought seemed cool, but you've been reluctant to try. Whatever you envision outside the walls of your cave is likely different from what I picture outside of my metaphorical cave, right? And that is A-OK. That's normal and 
expected. The point I'm trying to make here is this. What are you missing out on in your pursuit of maintaining comfort at all costs? And so that's a huge tangent. And when we're talking about living your best life and ditching comfort and going out into the wild and embracing unpredictability, that's not what we're talking about today. (laughs) My theory today, let's remind ourselves, is that we have spoiled ourselves to our own detriment. And so now we're on to part two of today's show in which I am connecting our reverence for comfort to the climate crisis. I believe that in our undying and never satiated quest for comfort, what we've really done is we've destabilized our planet, of course, to our own detriment. Our desire for comfort at all costs has come at the expense of our own survival as a species. And if you think I am going out on a way big limb and, whoa, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense, let me prove it to you. We, of course, want to be warm, right? Enter fossil fuels to heat and cool our homes. We want light 24 hours a day. Enter electricity, which is certainly transitioning slowly to renewable sources. But again, fossil fuels run historically. We want to eat meat and dairy, but we don't want to at all be connected to the life of the animal we're eating. We don't want to see it be slaughtered. We don't want to slaughter it ourselves. We want to eat it, but we don't want to take part in the dirty and, frankly, unethical business of slaughtering, do we? Enter the industrialized meat industry and its immense carbon emissions. We want to get places, and we want to get there quick and comfortably. Enter our cars, again, run by gasoline. We want exotic foods on our dinner plates. We want strawberries in January, right? Enter refrigerated and diesel-burning trucks that travel thousands of miles every day to get those strawberries onto our plates in January. We want to travel to other continents for the experience. Enter airplanes. I could go on and on connecting our comforts with fossil fuels for days if I wanted to, but my listeners, I know you are all quite smart. I'm certain you get the point I'm making, so I'm going to stop there. We are our own worst enemy. We have spoiled ourselves to our own detriment. We have sucked up far too many fossil fuels from the earth, and this has led to global warming and climate change. We have also perhaps not truly lived because we've been stuck in our comfy caves with our lazy boys and our fully stocked pantries and our warm beds. And so when I hear people say being eco-friendly is too much work or Our climate problems are just so big and bad and insurmountable, so why even try? We can't change anything. When people say that to me in real life, and people say these things to me all the time, by the way, I want to scream. I want to shake them awake and say, hey, wait a minute, maybe we should be making things a tiny little bit harder for ourselves. Obviously, yes, for the planet, right? I don't want to hear that eco-friendly living is too hard. I don't want to hear it. Your comfort creep is showing, and it's not pretty. So yeah, we should be making things a little bit harder for ourselves, obviously for the planet, but also for us, for our own health, for our own happiness, for our overall well-being. Because remember, research finds that people are at their best when they're exposed to some challenges. And so let me say one more thing here too before the break. I'm getting all fired up. But 
it seems to me that our reverence for comfort at all costs, yeah, it's ridiculous, but it's also unsustainable, isn't it? This show is called Sustainable Minimalists, sustaining the planet so that our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids can have a planet on which to live and thrive, right? Our reverence for comfort at all costs is not sustainable. At the moment, all the chatter about climate mitigation strategies, at the moment, all the strategies are band-aids. They attempt to maintain our current way of life, which is to say our status quo of comfort at all costs. An example of this, just obviously, is switching from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Is this the ultimate situation? The jury is still out, right? We don't know for sure. But at the moment, it's looking like this transition to renewable energy is going to be too slow and come too late. And so we have two choices in my view. Either we all, the collective, all of us, we get really, we willingly get really darn uncomfortable. We come out of our cushy little caves. We organize, we fight, we call our elected officials, we march, we picket, we demand environmental legislation. We give up some of our modern comforts in the name of the collective good, which of course is keeping this planet habitable for our children. Again, this is all quite uncomfortable. Leave our caves, raise our voices, no too scary, right? But either we do it willingly or option number two is discomfort gets pushed on us, gets forced on us in forms of droughts and floods and unbearable heat. And those are the manageable discomforts. What about societal collapse? What about human extinction. That is where we're headed if we don't make some big changes and make them now. Don't trust me on this, by the way, when I say societal collapse (laughs) and human extinction. Don't trust me. You can trust this client scientist because most of them are saying the exact same thing. So we're going to take our ad break, but when we come back, I have some action steps. I have some thoughts. Stay with me. I'll see you in a minute. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. 
not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch. They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back. Before the break, we discussed comfort and the concept of comfort creep, which again was popularized by author Michael Easter. I also attempted to connect comfort creep with our climate woes, attempted to prove my thesis statement today, which of course is that we're spoiling ourselves to our own detriment and perhaps our own demise We're moving on to the actionable part of today's show in which I have some action steps. I have some thoughts as to what we can all do better, do differently. And no, I'm not going to say sell your house, sell your car, go live in the woods in a hut. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to suggest that you give up all modern comforts. Heck no. What I am saying is, number one, it's unbelievably important that we recognize comfort creep in our own lives. Before we recognize comfort creep, we'd have to also recognize and understand that pain creep is also a thing. Collectively, we are living comfortable lives, right? And yet we still have problems. How is that the case? How is that possible? We have engineered out discomfort. So why aren't we enjoying all of our modern comforts? Why aren't we completely zenned out? We should be, right? On paper, (laughs) we have nothing to complain about. Well, if lifestyle creep is a thing in which we spend more and more money to maintain our lifestyle, and if comfort creep is a thing in which we adapt quite quickly to new comforts, then problem creep is likely also a thing. As we experience fewer problems, we don't suddenly become satisfied, do we? What really happens is we simply lower our threshold for what we consider problematic and we adjust our expectations. So I'll say that another way because that's convoluted. Said another way, the human brain is wired to search for problems even when problems don't exist. That's why in the era of comfort at all costs, That's why we have the same number of problems. Our problems are just now more hollow. Let's revisit Maslow's hierarchy of needs for a minute. You've likely seen it in your lifetime, at least once in your lifetime, right? It's a triangle. Maslow was a psychologist who listed human needs. And the foundation of the pyramid, the first two slices of the triangle are the basic needs. Maslow defined our basic needs as both physiological and safety-related. So our physiological needs are food, water, warmth, and rest. Our safety needs, again, according to Maslow, is security and safety. These are our basic needs, food, water, warmth, rest, security, safety. These are our basic needs, our most important needs, and the rest, whatever comes on top of the triangle, on top of those basic needs, it's extra. And so 
step one or step zero, I should say, is really to recognize comfort creep and pain creep in your own life. Are your basic needs met? Is everyone you love alive? If so, then all your other problems, they may indeed be hollow problems. Sitting in traffic and being late to dropping your child off at soccer practice, that may very likely be a hollow problem. So we're adding some perspective in here, right? That's Or that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to add some perspective in here. If your basic needs are met and everybody you love is still breathing, dare I say that all the other problems, they're hollow problems. Action step number two I have for you today has to do with regard to our modern comforts that run on fossil fuels. I, here in New England, where I live, I think Dunkin' Donuts is everywhere now, but Dunkin' Donuts, I believe, started in New England, in Massachusetts. I, I could be wrong, but we all know the slogan, America runs on Dunkin'. <laughs> America does not run on Dunkin'. America runs on fossil fuels. And so how can we enact some common sense tweaks in our days? Because again, fossil fuels is what is creating global warming and therefore climate change. Common sense tweaks. I'm, again, not telling you to get rid of your boiler or walk everywhere. I'm not telling you to do that. Common sense tweaks could be putting on a hat and a sweatshirt in your house instead of turning up the thermostat another five degrees. A common sense tweak could be taking the train into the city for your family fun day instead of driving. A common sense tweak could be going for a walk in the woods on a Saturday when you have nothing to do instead of walking around the mall and immersing yourself in more consumerism. Those are all common sense tweaks that really, in the grand scheme of things, are not big lifts, are they? Putting on a sweater instead of turning up your thermostat, like that's not a heavy lift. And the discomfort you'll likely feel is very small, I would say. Another thought for you is, you know, if you're a parent, this is for the parents out there, remember that the goal of parenting should not be to make your children's lives as comfortable as possible. That's not the goal. The goal should be to encourage your kids to thrive in discomfort, to encourage them again to stretch the limits of their comfort so that they may grow. One of my friends in real life, she's a college professor, Robin, by the way. Hi, if you're listening, I'm talking about you. Robin teaches freshman English classes at a very good college near me. Her students are 18 and 19 years old, and she often talks to me about them. She laments that her students are entering college completely helpless, helpless to the point in which if their pencil is broken, they'll just sit there with a broken pencil. They won't figure out where the pencil sharpener is in the room and sharpen their pencil. They will wait for someone to tell them to sharpen their pencil. And that is not hyperbole. That is literally (laughs) something my friend told me happens these days. Robin also says that these young adults, they're just looking for quick wins at all costs. AI-generated research papers are a dime a dozen. These young adults are helpless in part because their lives have been so darn comfortable. Their lifestyle plus their parents have engineered out all discomfort. 
And now side note here, by the way, if you have written to me, many of you have written to me and suggested and asked that I do an episode on raising kids who aren't overindulged, basically, who are self-sufficient, let's say. Stay tuned for that episode. I'm working on it. But remember, our job as parents is not to make our children's lives easy because when their existence is too easy, they don't learn the necessary life skills that they need to handle the messy task of living. And living will indeed, we all know it to be true, living will indeed get hard at some point. And our kids need to know how to manage that. I'm not suggesting that you (laughs) take everything out of your child's room, make them sleep on the floor without a blanket. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is it can be as simple as deciding to not pick up after them anymore, right? Ah, I was so bad about this. Like I saw a mess. My nine-year-old made a mess. I would clean it up because I don't like mess. But what am I teaching her when I'm cleaning up her messes? No, those days are gone. My child's picking up her own messes. It could be as simple as another example from my own life. Not dropping off your child's violin at school when they forgot to bring it in. This happened last week. My nine-year-old, Ani, she's taking violin lessons at school. I'm going to go off on a tangent, but just stay with me. So every day for school, both of my daughters have different things they have to bring in. Either it's their library books to return, or they have to wear sneakers for gym, or my daughter, Ani, has a violin to bring in. And so I, mom of the year over here, I made a color-coded schedule for the family of what needs to happen on what days. On what days does what kid need to wear sneakers? On what day does Ani need to bring in her violin and her violin binder? Okay, it's on the door in the mudroom so that nobody can forget their things. I did my part, but on Thursday, guess what? Ani still forgot her violin, (laughs) even though I couldn't have made it easier for her to bring her violin into school. So I ask you, all the parents out there, what would you do in this situation? Would you bring them the violin? Or would you say, no, child, it's important that you experience the natural consequences of your actions. And so I did not bring my daughter her violin. And I really felt, I wasn't sure if that was the right choice or not. Was I being a mean mom? It's not like I had a job to go to and I couldn't bring her violin. I just chose not to. And I don't know if it's the right choice or not, but I do believe that children need to experience the natural consequences of their actions. That's where learning takes place. I think about my own life. (laughs) How did I learn big, important life lessons? I learned them because my mother didn't always bail me out. And so just some thoughts there. I don't know what the right answer is. I'm not saying be a mean mom and don't bring your daughter's violin to school. I'm just saying that's what I did is I'm trying to navigate helping my children learn how to be a little bit uncomfortable. And so I just have one more thought here too. And again, I'm going to talk about my oldest daughter, Ani, again, but let's all just stop or at least not do it so much. Let's stop looking for products to make our lives more convenient. Our lives, again, perspective, our lives are pretty darn easy as they are already. 
aren't they? Let's take a long lens. If we take that wide lens, our lives are, again, cushy. I used to rile against products of convenience. When we're given the opportunity as human beings to be lazy, we as a species are indeed lazy, and this is why products of convenience do so well on store shelves. If we think it's going to make our lives easier and we have the money to buy it, we'll buy it without much thought. Convenience, of course, is quite closely related to comfort, isn't it? We don't need the latest gadget. It's not going to take our problems away because remember the concept of problem creep. As we experience fewer problems, we don't suddenly become satisfied. We simply lower our threshold for what we consider problematic. We adjust our expectations. If we stop looking to products to solve our problems, if we know that problem creep is a thing, that's another really powerful way that we can stop using Earth's non-renewable resources for our own comfort. My daughter, Ani, again, (laughs) she has a retainer, essentially. And I am, at the moment, getting targeted so hard on social media for this gadget. It's a lidded, ultrasonic retainer cleaner. So you put the retainer in in the morning, and then the gadget does its cleaning. And then in the afternoon or in the evening when my daughter puts her retainer in, it's clean. It's ultrasonically cleaned. And so Ani, of course, if you have a child with some sort of dental appliance, you already know it to be true. Getting my daughter to clean, getting my daughter to wear the thing is a nightly battle. Yes. (laughs) But the bigger battle, I would say, is getting her to clean the thing. It is gross. It is disgusting. And more times than not, this is so embarrassing, but I'm going to be honest, More times than not, I'm the one who has to clean her dirty, disgusting retainer. This is totally messed up. I know. But anyway, I don't know how social media's algorithm knows that my household has this problem, but it knows. It is all-knowing. Insert the ultrasonic retainer cleaner into my social media feeds. And when I first saw this product the first time, I breathed a sigh of relief. I thought to myself, here it is the solution to my retainer problems. And that all happened subconsciously, okay? That's not me knowing it. It just happened inside, which tells me that I am so trained to look to stuff as solutions, to look for convenience through an item. And so then, after I had those subconscious thoughts, another thought popped in and it said, hold up. I should not be buying a thing to solve this problem, which, by the way, in the grand scheme of life, this dirty retainer is a very small problem. Instead, I should flip my own script and use this as a teaching opportunity for my daughter. Why on earth am I cleaning her disgusting retainer? That's her job. It's her retainer. And so, yes, even though there is a constant reminding of Ani to take care of it, and that is annoying and, dare I even say, uncomfortable for me as a parent, the most prudent course of action here is to use this dirty retainer as an opportunity to show Ani that we do not need a product in this case. We do not need an ultrasonic retainer cleaner. We can brush our retainer with an old toothbrush without much work 
30 seconds max. And even better, using our old toothbrush is free as opposed to this ultrasonic cleaner, which is made from metals and is $100. Don't need it. We don't need it. It's not solving my problems in the grand scheme of things. I'm still going to go to bed with crazy anxiety. (laughs) I'm still going to have my bad days. The ultrasonic retainer cleaner is not going to solve all of my woes. It's just not. And so that's our show for today. I so hope you enjoyed it. It's a long one. Comfort creep, pain creep. Show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 410. If I gave you something to think about, if I helped you think about something in a new way today, if you're leaving the show today and you're thinking, I enjoyed that listen, I would so appreciate it if you left the show a quick review. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We will be back on Thursday. I don't know what we're talking about. I'll be transparent about that. But we will be back on Thursday. I will see you then. As always, reach out if you need me and take care.